from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Back in court, why an Arizona rancher accused of murder is now facing more charges. A natural gas price implosion. It, we're not seeing the big, you know, 40, 50 cent moves anymore at this point. Why this once hot commodity has cooled off big time. As a coast to coast storm continues its trek and the wild scenes it's causing as it pushes east. Right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. That massive winter storm we've been telling you about is now starting to gain steam. Right now, 65 million people in 29 states are in the storm's path. The storm bringing snow, ice, and extreme cold from California to Maine. Now take a look at the heavy snow and blizzard conditions in Arizona. It resulted in the closure of the Maine freeway between Arizona and New Mexico. Wind gusts up to 50 miles per hour were reported. Up to a foot of snow was expected in northern Arizona by this morning. Blizzard warnings are in place across parts of Wyoming, Montana, South Dakota, Iowa, and Minnesota. Just look at the conditions along US-12 near Walworth in South Dakota as visibility started to decrease on the roads. But the heaviest snowfall could be near Minneapolis-St. Paul, where more than 20 inches of snowfall is likely. And in Texas, it's not snow, but dust. Check out the brownout conditions. This is in Randall County. That's in the Texas Panhandle. You can barely make out the flashing lights in the distance. Officers say one driver who couldn't see a thing because of the conditions slammed on their brakes, starting a chain reaction crash. No injuries were reported. The strongest wind gusts were reported near Amarillo at 69 miles per hour. And the storm mixed with a blast of Arctic air is continuing to push across the country right now. Meteorologist Chuck Heaver joins us with more. Well, again, we have wind as our big story, and the wind systems here are just crazy. We're going to have this wind push across the upper Midwest and then eventually work its way over on Friday to the East Coast. New York is going to be a windy day. And the other thing on Thursday is snowfall. Yes, the winds will continue, but overall, the country will go a bit quiet. We will have snowfall, though, still residual and then off on the mountain west with a storm moving down the coast on Friday. Going to bring a lot of rain to Southern California, and there's a snowfall all the way across the upper Midwest along the Canadian border and onto the East Coast. And watch this video shared by Wyoming Highway Patrol. As you can see, one of their troopers was nearly hit, literally almost hit by this semi. This happened near Rollins on I-80. Officers reminding folks to please slow down and move over for emergency vehicles. Wow, what a lucky guy. Way too close. Keep safe out there. Okay, I'll have more on your forecast coming up. Despite the return of snow and cold, natural gas prices are continuing to fall right now. Agday's Michelle Rook joins us, and Michelle, prices have dropped more than 80% since the summer. Clinton, the market has just imploded. U.S. natural gas futures for March delivery fell below $2 per million BTUs this week for the first time since 2020. Now that's after hitting 837 on June 8th of 2022. That's a nearly $6.5 sell-off. It marks a major reversal when shortage fear sent prices to the highest level in 14 years. Now it's the result of a drop in demand for liquefied natural gas in the U.S., but also globally. 
Abnormally mild temperatures this winter have eroded energy demand, causing inventories to swell above usual levels and prices to plunge more than 70% since November. A much delayed restart of the Freeport LNG terminal in Texas has also weighed on prices as it's shut down after a June explosion curbed export demand. And it's not clear if the market has reached a bottom yet. It, we're not seeing the big, you know, 40, 50 cent moves anymore at this point. You know, it's just a grinding couple, three cents, maybe five, six cents here and there. Uh, and that just is against uh, natural gas as nature. So I don't know that we're going to stay here all that long when it turns. It's probably going to be a very volatile move. We just haven't seen signs of it yet. Of course, this is good news for farmers as it has lowered the price for heating livestock facilities this winter, drying grain and helped ease fertilizer prices. The natural gas prices are also welcomed in areas that remain dry and will rely on irrigation again this growing season. So is it time to lock in some supplies? I would hold off until we get some sort of buy signal because you, know, you don't want to be too early. You don't want to be the first one to buy into natural gas, but you certainly don't want to be last. Newsom suggests end users keep a close eye on the market, though, because when it reverses, it will be a very volatile move and it will happen very quickly. Global demand has also dropped with many Asian nations returning to coal. The European Union also slashed demand for heating this winter by almost a fifth with voluntary cutbacks and a mild winter. Now that's eased their energy crisis, keeping stockpiles above normal levels. Prices there are at their lowest levels since August 2021. All right, thanks, Michelle. Looking at some other fuels, USDA reports ethanol production and consumption has rebounded from the pandemic. The Economic Research Service creating this graphic starting with production in January of 2010. Now it says the production and use of ethanol has grown significantly over the last three decades, but started plateauing in recent years, leveling off near 10% last year. It says production averaged 1.33 billion gallons per month from 2017 to 2019, Consumption averaged 1.18 billion gallons. During the pandemic, it says production fell by 46% and consumption by nearly 40%. The United Airlines and five other companies are launching a venture capital fund in order to get greener fuel. The companies will invest in startup firms and technology to expand the use of sustainable aviation fuel. The other companies include Air Canada, Boeing, GE Aerospace, JP Morgan Chase, and Honeywell. Sustainable aviation fuel is made using feedstocks, which can include cooking oil and ag waste. Tomorrow marks one year since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and right now, Russian President Vladimir Putin is upping the tension after announcing he's suspending his country's participation in the last remaining U.S.-Russia nuclear arms control treaty. He announced his country would suspend its participation in the Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty, or START. It puts caps on the number of nuclear weapons and inspections of nuclear sites. But shortly thereafter, the Russian Foreign Ministry said it would respect the caps on nuclear weapons under that treaty. Now, President Biden, while in Poland this week, called Putin's announcement a big mistake. The president reassuring eastern flank NATO allies the U.S. will remain by their sides while Russia's war with Ukraine rages on.
the Russians even in the course of their buildup uh, in, uh, on the border along with Ukraine uh, signed on to a statement at the UN Security Council that reaffirmed uh, a maxim that's been around since the Cold War, namely uh, that a nuclear war uh, must never be fought uh, and can never be won. That is something that we still believe in profoundly. It was something that the Russians uh, in recent months have reaffirmed themselves. We call on the Russians to make good uh, on that and to cease with this nuclear bluster, with this nuclear uh, saber rattling, uh, and to act responsibly, even as they engage in this brutal uh, war of aggression against the Ukrainian people. Meanwhile, as reported, inspections of Ukrainian ag shipments have fallen to half of what they were four months ago, and a backlog of vessels is growing. The hurdles come as separate agreements between Ukraine and Russia to keep supplies moving are coming up for renewal next month. Less grain moving out of Ukraine raises concerns about the impact that will have on hungry people in Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. Grains, they sold off on Wednesday with wheat seeing the steepest losses. We'll take a look at why coming up next. Plus, we get an update on the case against an Arizona rancher accused of murdering a man on his land near the border. Ag Day is sponsored by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Steel Closing Wheels, perfected in conventional, excels in no-till. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an end zone moisture management package. Soybeans made some gains to start the week, but fizzled out on Wednesday. Michelle Rook is back with a look at what's on the minds of traders in markets now. Dwayne Bussey Bolt Marketing joining us, and we had a down day on Wednesday in the green sector, and it really felt like a risk-off day kind of led by this wheat market. Yeah, it really did. We had some better rains in the southern plains that started to push the wheat market lower, went through some support levels, and then that also pulled the corn and soybeans down as well. So, Dwayne, as far as that wheat market, certainly there's been a lot of speculation about whether we're going to get the export corridor, that deal extended. Is that also being worked in? I mean, is the market believing that we're going to get that? I think so. You know, yesterday there was some news that broke that Ukraine wants a one-year extension on this deal. And I think most people in the trade believe they will eventually get that. But, yeah, Russia will, will play its game and they'll act like they can't open it. But they need it open almost just as much as Ukraine does. So I do think eventually they'll get it open. And as you mentioned, we kind of wait on the soybean market, but soybeans also on Tuesday with a lot of bullish news failed to take out the previous week's highs. So, you know, what is it going to take to get through that level? I mean, should we be surprised we're consolidating a little? No, I don't think we should be. And I don't know what the news is to push us through those old highs you just asked about, Michelle. You know, if we couldn't do it, on Tuesday's trade, I don't know how we're going to get it done. So sellers kind of took over after we failed to make new highs there. Yeah. So do you think the South American story, the bullishness about crop concerns, is that already played out? I think for the most part, yes. I've been the one really kind of pushing and saying this Argentina drought is for real and we need to go higher. But I mean, we are right near the highs and I think that can get us there. But I think we need a new story to push through that 50-50 area. Yeah, we need some problem with Brazil's harvest to slow down. I know it's a little slow, but that's kind of one of the big keys, wouldn't it be? It is. That would be a key that would really help. But yeah, it's not that slow. Talking to people in Brazil, they said, you know, we're really close to the average. They're really excited to plant that safrina crop right behind the soybeans. So I don't think there's that bullish story to push us above that resistance quite yet anyway. And corn is still a follower? 
Corn is coiling and following just about every other market, isn't it? Kind of a, a bit of a boring story, I would say. And you know, with our poor demand here, meaning exports and, and maybe even the ethanol demand is kind of poor, that failure here is, is stopping us from going up above that $7 mark. Okay, thanks for joining us, Dwayne Bussey with Bolt Marketing. More Ag Day coming up. For marketing advice, call Bolt Marketing, a futures and options brokerage firm. Ag Day is brought to you by Duracade Viptera. Meteorologist Chuck Heaver joining us here, taking a look at this national forecast. And obviously, we've tracked this big winter storm. Uh, still some wind out there, but yeah. what about, it looks like the West Coast may be dealing with more weather here coming up. Yeah, we had that big wind field, and that'll continue. Another wind field will move over to the East Coast, but then the West Coast is targeted by yet another storm. Let's take a look. All right, let's go up to the jet stream to see where the storms are going to flow. We do have cold air off on the west coast, and that lobe of cold air is going to slowly cut off and work its way down the west coast as a storm. And it could dump a ton of rain down in areas where they are not used to that in Los Angeles. That energy reinvigorates and moves across the country. We'll produce a couple snow showers, it looks like, through the Midwest. But then that colder air continues to fluctuate north and south, especially along the Canadian border. All right, for Thursday, let's take a look at future radar. You can see the snowfall residual from the larger storm that moves out and then snow off on the west coast in association with that storm. But check out these rain totals. Wow, we are going to see a ton of rain between San Francisco and Los Angeles, and it is going to pile up in the inches. And so this is going to be very interesting because of the terrain. The other story is wind. So through the Midwest, gusts of wind in Chicago, up to around 50 miles per hour. That moves off on the East Coast in New York City. It's going to be a windy day there as well on Friday. Then things calm down. It's nice to see a calm day in the United States, minus the Southwest, where we'll pick the winds back up again. Precipitation estimates. Check this out in Southern California. We are going to see precipitation easily in the inches. And again, this is very dry. This is very dry soil here. So this is going to be interesting over the next couple days to watch. Snowfall in the Sierra Nevada, easily three feet of snow on the peaks and then off to the east, the residual snow in association with that storm. That'll pile up another oh, three to six inches in some locations. Okay, today Chicago 43, all the way down in Miami 87. Look at 92 down in Brownsville. Tonight things cool off, seasonal, actually warmer in a lot of locations. Cincinnati 34 degrees, Brownsville, Texas, only a low of 68. And then tomorrow temperatures relatively cool, especially along and up on the north. But then that'll rebound again. Things will go more mild across the country. Let's take a look closer at home. Immokalee, Florida, 91 degrees and a low of 63, mostly sunny skies. Cloverdale, California and Sonoma Valley, rain and snow, high 44, low 34. And Vienna, Maine, heavy snow, winter storm warnings, high 18, low 14. Up next, the latest in a murder case involving an Arizona rancher living on the border. And later we're off to Tennessee where today's agricultural lessons leverage natural resources and the university plans to honor that in the country. Drover's Report on Ag Day is brought to you by Beringer Ingelheim because cattle first is a remark only made remarkable by you, producers and veterinarians across the country.
An Arizona rancher accused of killing a Mexican national on his property is now facing additional charges. 75-year-old George Kelly was facing a first-degree murder charge in the death of a man who was shot dead on his ranch in Keno Springs. The state of Arizona filing an amended complaint, also charging Kelly now with two counts of aggravated assault. Kelly was in court on Wednesday for a preliminary hearing. Prosecutors saying many details of the investigation and the victim's statements are being withheld because the investigation is ongoing. But they say contrary to Kelly's account of what happened, no one in the group with the Mexican national who died was carrying any weapons and the victims claim Kelly came out of nowhere shooting at them with an AK-47. Now, Border Patrol agents, they also say Kelly's account of what happened changed. Kelly has denied killing the man, saying he only fired warning shots. An update on a case of another rancher, Cody Easterday of Washington State. He's starting to pay back what he's been ordered to pay to Tyson Foods. ArkansasBusiness.com reporting Tyson has received just over $63 million in payments from Easterday as part of his bankruptcy case. He now owes Tyson little more than $177 million. Easterday was accused of charging for the costs of buying and feeding as many as 265,000 cattle that simply did not exist. Last year, he pleaded guilty to one count of wire fraud. He was sentenced to 11 years in prison in order to pay restitution. All right, up next, we head back to school. See why the University of Tennessee is changing the name of one department to better focus on natural resources in the country. Your next piece of equipment is on MachineryPete.com. Search equipment from dealerships across the country to find what you're looking for. Only on MachineryPete.com. In the Country on Ag Day is brought to you by Pivot Bio. What if you had the nitrogen you need already on seed? Pivot Bio is the first company to apply nitrogen on seed. The nitrogen you need now on seed from Pivot Bio. Learn more at pivotbio.com. An academic department at the University of Tennessee's Institute of Agriculture has a new name and expanded goals. What was known as Forestry, Wildlife, and Fisheries is now the School of Natural Resources. Charles Denny tells us why the name change is so important. Growing trees in an urban setting, restoring lake sturgeon in Tennessee waterways, and a smaller but equally important fish, the sickle darter. And fire as a management tool, how to protect woodlands with controlled burns. A few examples of what students at UT's Herbert College of Agriculture can learn. But this department, once known as Forestry, Wildlife and Fisheries, switched to a new name in 2023, the School of Natural Resources. It's a better descriptor of, of what we have in the department. We, we are continuing to do forestry, wildlife and fisheries work, but we have just a number of other natural resource related fields. The name change is far more than just a symbolic gesture. In the academic world, you're going from a department to a school. This designation recognizes the breadth of programs offered in forestry, wildlife and fisheries but also teaching, research, and UT extension in wildlife health, bioenergy, and forest products. This new school will include opportunities to educate more students, bring on additional faculty, and increase partnerships with different organizations. New name change means new beginning, and we can, we can just grow and continue to grow. I mean, we've already been growing, but now it's, I see endless possibilities. We're hoping that we can grow our faculty and then have 
a larger footprint when you think about research. Christopher Fisher is among the more than 350 students enrolled in the program. The field work for the school continues to attract top-notch students to study ways to protect the environment and the sustainable management of natural resources. I'm not doing the same thing day in, day out. Uh, I still get that science aspect that I, I love and I get to be outside, work. Like, I mean, this, this is my office. The spring semester is underway at the Herbert College with this kickoff event to celebrate the new name. The department has been around since the mid-60s, even before there was an Institute of Agriculture. And now the new School of Natural Resources can move forward, looking back at a proud past and ahead to an exciting future. This is Charles Denny reporting. All right, thanks Charles, and that's all the time we have this morning. I'm sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day. I'm Farm Country.